eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, welcome in to the Hoist the Colors podcast. It's actually been quite a while since we did one of these. Uh, I apologize for that. But I also don't apologize because uh, the American in Houston kind of screwed ECU over last week. There really wasn't much to talk about, at least in a positive variety. And so here we are. We are recapping ECU-UCF. I'm also going to have a podcast uh, in a couple more days wrapping up spring football. And we'll be taking your questions on the Hoist Colors message board for that. But for now, we're talking ECU baseball specifically on this podcast. I'm Stephen Igo, the host, as always, the publisher of VoiceOfColors.net. I'm joined by Jonathan Wagner, soon-to-be ECU graduate, soon-to-be post-intern career. Jonathan Wag, Wagner, Wags, however you want to go by. Welcome back, man. Thanks for having me back. Um, yeah, it's a little scary that the next time ECU pitches at home, I will be an ECU graduate. So looking forward to the last couple of weeks. Are you going to wear your cap and gown to cover, uh, cover games against Tulane? I feel like it would be a heck of a statement to do that, but I think that I will probably not be rolling with that. Yeah. Malcolm, uh, Although it would tell for a good story. Malcolm gray might be like, what the hell? As soon as you roll in there, I honestly <laughs> would, would pay a lot of money to see that reaction. So, uh, we might just have to do that as a joke, but, yeah, man, it's hard to believe <laughs> ECU only has one home regular season series left. I mean, how insane is that? Of course, they still have four regular seasons left to go in the season, uh, but they'll be on the road for three of those starting this coming weekend at Wichita State. They just lost their first two games in one weekend. God, I hate these four-game series, man. Like, I, just, I, I can't find the right terminology because they didn't lose the series. I'm not going to say they suffered their first split at home because that just doesn't sound good, but whatever. ECU goes 2-2 two and two against UCF. They both alternate wins and losses. You know, kind of a, a odd weekend. I thought some rush showed from ECU's side after not playing last weekend. Of course, they they pitched without Carson Wisenhunt, uh, which we're going to talk a lot about, the state of the starting rotation here in a little bit, Jonathan. Uh, but as always, we're going to go game by game, and so let's do that before we get into the big picture discussions, uh, which we will. Uh, let's start with Friday's opener. ECU wins it 4-2. to two. Uh, They improved to 9-0 and in the American, run their home winning streak to 19. 
you know, really a pretty clean game all the way around for the Pirates. Zero errors, 11 hits, 4-2 to two win. Gavin Williams improves to 5-0 and in his fifth start. And uh, you thought maybe, even though UCF threatened late and made it interesting, uh, this was going to be the start of a very good weekend for ECU, as you kind of draw it up this way in the, in the series opener, right, Jonathan? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Gavin came out and he hit a batter, which would become a common theme throughout the weekend as well, hit batters. And he walked a batter in the first. But other than that, clean inning, gets out of it. ECU comes up. And, I mean, they they get a run early on, Thomas Francisco, RBI single. But really all around, it, like you said, it was a clean game all around. Gavin pitched great. Took a no-hitter into, the, I believe, the fifth inning. And then you get into the bullpen. Colmore came out, didn't have his best stuff. And then Mayhew came, picked him up. And then Matt Bridges came in and finished it off. All around a clean win, and I think it was one of the win, one of those types of wins where ECU, they they did win, but it wasn't a blowout victory. It wasn't an easy victory. There's no such thing as easy victories. We hear Cliff say it all the time, but UCF came into the series 17 and 19, but they're a lot better than that. I think they're very talented. Their lineup is really deep, so it was a fun weekend. And game one, you couldn't have asked for a better start. Um, for starting pitching, and they could have used another one of those stars throughout the weekend. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I say that this is how they drew it up, but in reality, I think the biggest blow in this series was having to go to the big three out of the bullpen right away because it looked like ECU had a 4 nothing lead in the bottom of the fifth. It almost looked like ECU was going to cruise to victory, and it just didn't happen because of, you know, the offense not – adding on and then maybe Colmore not being his best but ECU at the end of the day they win four to two they do have to use those three guys which made it difficult for the second game of the series we should say uh Francisco and Norby three hits apiece Zach Agnos three hits as well in the series opener uh you go to game two and this one just simply got away from ECU before I tell you what before we get into what happened play-by-play play this game? This was the first weekend of the year, Jonathan, where Carson Wisenhunt was unavailable to pitch for ECU. So we got to kind of talk about that and also Garrett Saylor making the start in his place. When you first heard the news about Wisenhunt, you know, not pitching due to, to, to arm soreness, kind of what was your reaction? Would you have started Saylor? Um, what kind of was your thought process once that unfortunate news started to come out? Well, I mean, I know that, you and I, we've talked a lot about the season. You know, eventually Wizenhunt is going to hit the wall, whether it's his arm getting tired for throwing this much for the first time ever or just, you know, hitting that rookie wall, if you will, even though he's in his second year. It's his first real year pitching, first year in the rotation, obviously. But it was one of those things you always have in the back of your mind, you know, you're not going to make it through an entire baseball season with all of your starting pitchers going the entire season with no health issues. Obviously, Gavin in the beginning, but – when I heard that Wisenhunt was not going to pitch, I was a little worried originally just because we've kind of seen really up and down seasons from theoretically the guys who could step in, you know, the Carter Spiveys of the world, Garrett Saylor, who it ended up being. He came out and he's he's been really hit or miss this year. And in game two of a doubleheader, you know, it's really important to, especially since you mentioned in game one, you know, you had to go to your big three right out of the gate. So, I think in game two of a doubleheader and against a pretty good team, it's really important to get some length out of your rotation on the back end of that doubleheader. Didn't get it. 
but I think Carter Spivey came in following Saylor and did fine. But it'll be interesting to watch moving forward. I don't know who's going to start next weekend, but it was it was an interesting development. But hopefully Wisenhunt can come back in a couple weeks or so. And as long as we have him towards the end of the year, I think that's the most important thing right now. You can't rush him back. He's too talented. He's too important to your team later on to rush him back for late regular season weekend series. Yeah, at this point, you just want to have him available for, for at 100% for the postseason. I mean, yeah, you're playing for a seeding and, and a regional right now, but no need to rush that kid back, cause a setback, and then not have him available for when it matters most. So uh, I trust the coaching staff and everything to play it right. In the meantime, ECU is going to have to figure out a way to go through a four-game series without their number two starter, which is not easy to do. But like you said, this is going to come up over the course of the season, and this is when your depth gets tested. We heard a lot about ECU's pitching depth throughout the season, uh, throughout the preseason, and you know, thus far it's kind of been hit or miss. And you know, we talk about Sailor in this game in particular. He goes two and a third. Again, I think he only left with the score maybe two or three to nothing, but Carter Spivey, who threw the ball pretty well, they did allow some inherited runners to score. Uh, UCF took a 5 nothing lead, and the Pirates had to go to a lot of guys out of the pen. You know, Spivey did go two and two-thirds, gave up one run. Uh, I thought Josh Groves looked pretty good, even though he did give up two runs in, a, in an inning and a third. But uh, both of those came on the A.J. Wilson three-run homer that was allowed with two outs, which was basically the blow of the game because at that point, trying to do the math here, it was a 6-3 to three game. And I think that made it 9-3, to three, which really put the game out of reach. So that was a huge blow. Uh, Landon Ginn, the freshman, got his first career appearance. You know, he's dealt with some COVID and stuff, so he finally makes his appearance, and, and he goes. Um, no hits allowed in one and a third, but allows a run because, hey, look, he walked somebody and he hit somebody because everybody got hit this game, mainly just uh, our boy, Jordan Rathbone. But... You know, let's just, let's go ahead and talk about that because I don't even want to talk about this crappy game, Jonathan. I just want to talk about Jordan Rathbone. At the end of the weekend, he had been hit six times. I mean, there has got to be some sort of record. I don't like you just don't get hit six times by pitches, and clearly, you know, you look at his setup at the plate. He's really not that close to the plate with his feet. But I noticed even in Sunday's game, like he's got the elbow guard on. And every time a breaking ball was thrown, he would just kind of like stick his elbow out. It's, it's, it's clear that UCF's game plan or part of their approach offensively is to get hit by pitches. And I'll give him credit. It's frustrating to play against, and I think it did get to ECU in a, in a few cases. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I, w- I covered Saturday's game, and I was in the stands for the rest of them. So I was one of those people who was yelling and not very happy in the stands just because it was so annoying over and over and over again, a hit by pitch. And since we're talking about Landon Ginn making his debut, I mean, the fact that they really gave him a warning when Landon Ginn was up in a one-two count in his collegiate debut after he hit a batter, I don't care if he's been hit four times in the game. That was not intentional. I think it was stupid. And... Man, it was, like I said, it was just so annoying. It was so repetitive. They stand so close to the plate, and when they don't, like you said, they lean into it. It's like they look to get hit, but it was so frustrating. It made just – it was icing on the cake on this weekend, especially in a game like this. So, man, I'm – 
I hope we face them in the conference tournament again because I think we're going to come out different. Yeah, it would be. I'll tell you what, you know, the American, the tough thing about it is the distance between the teams, and it can be tough at times to create kind of that natural rivalry. Um, but today or this weekend, we got to see some of that. Uh, so that was cool. All right, let's put this into perspective, Jonathan. Jordan Rathbone has been hit by 18 pitches this year. How many hit-by-pitches do you think ECU has as a team uh, in terms of batters, like when they're batting? Wow. Um, I mean, I would say right around that 18 mark, maybe 20, if that. 22. If I had to guess. Wow. So Jordan Rathbone alone has been hit by 18 pitches. ECU as a team has been hit by 22 pitches, and that – I mean, clearly you have to be you just you just, you know if it, if it was like ten or a more reasonable number, you could kind of chalk it up as somewhat fluky, but you don't get hit by that many pitches backs. And UCF as a team, by the way, sixty-two hit by pitches. And I, I'm let me correct. Jordan Rathbone actually has nineteen, so I, I, I shorted him one. Wouldn't want to do that. He's got nineteen because he got another one on Sunday. He's walked nineteen times. He's been hit just as many times as he's walked. I mean, what in the hell is going on out here? I mean, it's just, <laughs> this isn't baseball. Like, this is like, it's just so lame to me, man. Uh, and maybe the scouting report is to bust him in, and with that approach, he's able to get hit by a lot of pitches. But, you know, I just think it's pretty weak. The guy's a great player. Obviously, he's batting two ninety one with eight homers and seven doubles, so clearly he can hit the ball. Whatever he's doing is working. But it's just, I, I don't know, I just... I think his approach is pretty cheap, and um, hopefully next time when ECU hits him, it's a little more uh, direct. Not, I'm not saying throwing at his head, but come on. <laughs> yeah, it's it's annoying, and when people are lining up and it's part of the game plan, it's tough to throw that inside pitch too. I mean, I think we saw that all weekend, you know, the inside part of the strike zone against UCF when we're on the mound. I think there were very minimal strikes because everything was probably getting hit. Or they were hitting. So then that forces you to throw balls either over the strike zone on the outside half, which is probably what um, Rathbone and everyone else looks for. And I think that's maybe why, you know, they had a good weekend hitting the ball. Everyone had a good weekend hitting the ball for them, I feel like. So it's tough, but I agree. I think it's lame. I mean, if you want to get on base, you know, maybe swing the bat. That's just my two cents. I think it's annoying. I think it's cheap. And I'd rather see someone get on the right way. But, oh, well. Whatever works, they'll be sitting at home in the postseason more than likely with their crappy approach. Enjoy your two victories in Greenville, UCF. You've underachieved all year. You've got just as much talent as basically anybody in the conference, and you're still two games under 500. Congrats. You've won a series in Oxford, and you split in Greenville, but you can't beat Florida Gulf Coast or whoever the hell you are losing to, FAU. So enjoy that. <laughs> all right, let's move on. UCF wins that game 10-5. to um, I don't have any animosity or anything towards UCF, but clearly I do. <laughs> um, all right, so the Pirates bounce back on on Saturday. This is the game I did not get to see much at all of, Jonathan, because um, I was covering the spring game and doing play-by-play. You know, I did have a game tracker up or live stat broadcast, and, you know, I was texting you, like, what the hell is going on? Speaking of hit-by-pitches, UCF was hitting guys and walking guys in the first inning. ECU grabs a 6 nothing lead. I'm like, all right, 
This is going to be an easy victory for ECU. They're going to be able to stay at their bullpen for the series finale, but that just did not happen. Uh, the Pirates do pull it out 11-8, to but after the 6 nothing lead, Jake Kuchmaner, the junior lefty, just could not hold UCF down, and to their credit, they were all over him, and uh, his struggles continue. They get back in the game, make it 6-5. to ECU is able to score a couple runs late. They get a big home run from Francisco to make it 8-6, to uh, and then a couple of errors end up adding to the lead. ECU eventually wins 11-8 to in kind of a crazy game. But, Jonathan, you were there. You covered this game. I believe ECU head coach Cliff Goblin, this was the game he got ejected. Uh, let's start there. What led to the ejection? You know, I was listening on the radio. It sounds like it was balls and strikes. Uh, but maybe more so than that one pitch, um, just kind of the, the overall weekend taking its toll on Coach Goblin maybe. Yeah, I think, like you said, ECU got out to a big lead early on, and then UCF came back, and ECU really didn't do anything offensively until after the ejection. Francisco had a homer in the sixth inning. I believe Coach Godwin got ejected in the top of the seventh. It was a borderline pitch. ECU was in the field, and there was a ball outside. I thought it was a clear ball, and Coach Godwin disagreed. But I think more than anything, it was a I need to get my team riled up. And as he, after he was tossed, when he left and he was heading towards the locker room or wherever he went, he kind of looked into the dugout and kind of told him to get fired up a little bit. And I think it worked. It, like you said, it, it was a frustrating weekend. ECU, I think, that, like you said, they were really rusty. It's the first that they didn't play last weekend. And I don't think they came out their best. I don't think we saw their best baseball all weekend. And... I think Coach Godwin said they wanted to get them riled up a little bit, and I think he did that. They came out in the seventh, they scored two. They came out in the eighth, they scored two to get some really huge insurance runs, especially since UCF did come back and score three in the seventh and ninth to make it an 11-8 game, I believe. So I think it was more of a let's get my team fired up as opposed to uh, I disagree with your call, but I think it was just one of those frustrating weekends where it was just icing on the cake and when I came into the dugout I mean not the dugout the press box on Saturday I said I'm gonna put I'm gonna take the over one and a half on ejections Saturday and Sunday I was close I got one I thought I might get one on Sunday but well I got my one so it's all right but it was just a frustrating weekend coach Godwin argued a few times on Sunday you know, calmly early, but then as the game wore on again, started to kind of push that line, but did not get ejected for a second straight game. Uh, but the Pirates win the Saturday contest 11-8. to They beat the rain, even though there were some, was some rain in the late innings. Uh, Ryder Giles, his perfect ERA now by the wayside as he gives up two bombs in the ninth, but manages to get the final few outs. And Matt, Matt Bridges with the key relief outing, two innings, uh, five strikeouts, and also Cam Colmar. I mean, we have to mention Cam. He basically saved this game because, you know, he didn't have his stuff on Friday. It was a 6-5 game basically when he took over and ended up holding uh, UCF down until ECU's offense woke up. All right, let's talk about Jake Kuchmaner. Jonathan, uh, three innings pitch, eight hits, five runs, hit batter, of course, because, you know, you can't play UCF and start without hitting a batter. Um, but now for the season, Cooch Maynard, 
I mean, we've talked about it all year. He just hasn't been himself. You know, five, uh, he's two and one on the year, but with a five three six ERA. You know, strikeout to walk ratio still relatively good, thirty three to five. He's never been a big strikeout guy. Thirty three Ks in forty two innings, but the big number opponents are batting three eighteen against him, and I mean that's just not what we're used to seeing. I think last year it was close to like two eighteen, so a hundred points higher. And at this point, nine starts in, it's just been uh, it's been a really frustrating go for one of ECU's best proven pitchers. Yeah, I think in a weekend like this, especially, we talked about Wisenhunt not being available. You know, Jay Kuchmaner and, and Tyler Smith are your two most experienced starters coming into the weekend. And when they combine to go six or five and less than six innings total, you're, you're not going to win. You're not going to win series like that. And Kuchmaner is one of those things. His defense wasn't great behind him, I didn't think. There was an early leadoff batter reach ball got under Josh Moreland's glove at first. And but then Kuchmaner allows a single and he ends up getting a double play to get out of the inning in the first on Saturday. And then ECU gets out to the big lead and you think, okay, maybe he can kind of relax a little bit, you know, just focus on throwing strikes and really settle down, not really have to worry as much and he came out in four of the first five batters in the second, reached via single, two runs score, three more runs score in the third. And I don't know. I think something I've noticed, I just don't think he has a put-away pitch right now. I think his fastball, obviously, he's not he's not going to be a hard-throwing guy, but you know his fastball sits mid to upper 80s, and he just doesn't have the put-away pitch when he gets to two strikes. Something he can get a swing. He doesn't get swings and misses right now, I don't think. So, I don't know. I think he's – Coach Godwin mentioned it post-game on Saturday. He's just – he's in his own head. He's overthinking everything. And I think once he can really start stop thinking and just pitch the ball, not worry about it, trust his defense behind him, then hopefully he can turn it around. But he just hasn't looked himself. And I think if he can stop overthinking, then he has a shot to turn it around. And we need him to. Yeah, I mean, I think – this team is not going to go as far as it wants to go unless Jake Kuchmaner is more resemblant of the Jake Kuchmaner we know. And, yeah, I pulled up his starts through this year. Um, the last two outings, only one strikeout. And he's um, – you're right. You know, he's never been a big swing and miss guy, but he he's usually able to fool teams enough to get a number of strikeouts looking. Um so I don't know, you know, he had 10 Ks against Charlotte earlier this year. I remember that game in particular was a pretty wide strike zone, which played to his benefit. But the last handful of outings have just not been clean. We just haven't seen clean Jake all year. I mean, five runs against Georgia Southern. He's given up two or more runs in every start outside of the opener against Rhode Island. So, look, I mean, nobody works harder than Jake Kuchmaner. Cliff Goblin said that. We know that Cooch is a leader. Um you just kind of have to hope that he gets it figured out. I mean, there, to me, I don't think you pull him from the rotation. I think he's got enough of a track record and is enough of a staple to leave him in the rotation because I just think right now you're already replacing one starter in Wisenhunt. We'll talk about Tyler Smith here with game four in a second. I mean, you can't take too many guys out of the rotation. I think you're almost to the point now with Cooch where you have to leave him in there until he kind of fights his way through this. Do you agree? Yeah, I 100% agree, and it's tough. Like you said, right now, Carson Wissenhunt isn't 
able to pitch in the rotation. We don't know when he will be. And like you said, you only have so many people who can start a game. You know, you can opt to go with your traditional bullpen day, but with four games in three days every weekend, that's that's really tough to plan to do every weekend. I think we need one of one of Tyler Smith and Jake Kuchmater to kind of step up. And at, at the very least, even if you're not going to pitch well, you need to get through five innings, four or five innings. And it's tough. I think personally that Carter Spivey should get a look in the rotation again. I thought he looked good early in the year when he did start, even though he, he had the blister in his first start against Duke. But I want to see him get another shot. But with Coach Manor, like you said, he's a leader. I noticed in the dugout, you know, every game, he's when they need to get fired up, Cooch Manor is the one who's joking around, doing funny stuff, just getting the guys loose and fired up. You know, I saw him smash a water bottle on his head and throw it on Sunday, I think, just try to get him, you know, fun stuff like that. So he's a leader. And like you said, his track record, he has the potential to be a very good pitcher. And if he can turn it around and really hit his upside, then it adds a whole, a whole another element to EC's rotation. So let's move into Sunday's game, Jonathan. The Pirates uh, fall six to one, and you know, watching this game live, I gotta give a ton of credit to the UCF starting pitcher Jack Sinclair. And I'll be honest, I, I entered this game with no scouting report of Jack Sinclair, other than the fact that he just had terrible numbers. He had a six two three ERA. Opponents were batting three twenty four against him, so I'm. You know, I have, I'm not a coach. You know, usually I try to scout these guys to have a feeling, but he wasn't in the original rotation going into the series. I knew he could start if uh, Colton Gordon didn't go. But I just kind of assumed this guy was your typical Sunday guy in the American, you know, mid-80s, mid-to-high-80s. And, you know, his first few throws of the game, 92-93 with movement. I'm like, how the hell is this guy as bad as his numbers indicate? And sure enough, he maintained that velocity – you know, and then once ECU started to dial in on the fastball, he started dropping these change-ups and breaking balls. I mean, the guy pitched a hell of a game, and I give him credit. He ends up going seven innings, seven Ks, two walks. He had command issues coming into the game, but he he did not have command issues on Sunday, and ECU just couldn't figure him out. And uh, UCF had enough offense early, I think, to kind of settle him down. You give a, a pitcher a 5 nothing lead, and that changes the dynamics entirely. Uh, so UCF, obviously a really good pitching performance in this 6-1 to victory to close out the series. On the other end of the spectrum, Tyler Smith, two innings pitch, six walks, hit by pitch, uh, just, again, didn't have any command at all. I mean, it, it was obvious by the end of the first inning that he had no fastball command. Everything he threw was nowhere close, and he basically had to go to just his breaking ball. And to his credit, <laughs> somehow made it through two innings, without the, the game just completely falling apart. But uh, it was just a, a contrast of two starting pitchers, and really that ended up being the difference. Yeah, um, like you said, Tyler Smith just said zero fastball command. And it's really tough to rely on a breaking ball against a team like UCF on a Sunday when you don't have a fastball to back it up. Six walks – Probably hit a hit a batter or two if I had to guess. Yeah, it looks like he hit two batters, but you know, first inning he was able to get out of the jam. Second inning he was able to get out of it, just giving up one run. But like you said, the third inning is where it just kind of got away from him. 
I believe he walked his two first two guys and then CJ Mayhew came in and Mayhew, I didn't think he looked his best. He got hit kind of hard as well. And then we talked about Josh Gross. Josh Gross came in. I thought he looked really good out of the pen. Danny Beal looked good. Garrett Saylor, who started game two on Friday, came in and looked dominant on the mound. So that was encouraging to see. It was a little – I didn't know how he would look, especially after not having his best stuff on Friday. But Garrett Saylor came out and pitched well. And, yeah, we've talked about it all day. But, you know, we need one of Jake Kuchman or Charlie Smith to step up and give you length at the very least. Even if you're going to give up five or six, you need to be able to get through four innings, I think. And Tyler Smith, it's a confidence thing. He's been up and down. He started the season a little rocky. He came in to pitch the ninth against the Carolina game, the last non-conference game, and he looked great. He looked great in his first two conference starts. But yesterday on Sunday, he just didn't have it. He couldn't throw strikes, and it was tough to see. But it, I don't, that game could have been a lot worse considering how it started, the fact that ECU only lost five to one shows that, you know, other guys came up out of the bullpen later on and really stepped up and picked them up and were able to at least put ECU in a position to win, even though they didn't. Yeah. The offense honestly had plenty of chances to try and come back, you know, credit uh, grows, Ginn, Bill, Sailor, and Logos for really giving them that opportunity. I mean, I thought it was, that was the, you know, Cliff Galvin said after the game, that was the one bright side is you got those guys working we talked about it a million times, Jonathan. They need to get those guys work because, you know, you throw Matt Bridges for the third day in a row. He didn't look sharp at all. He gives up a run late in the game. I thought C.J. Mayhew throwing for the second time in three days after 35 pitches on Friday didn't look sharp. So I think it is important to give some of these other guys opportunities, which was good to see. Uh, ECU kind of made a run, I think, in the bottom of the eighth is when Connor Norby tripped going around second, and it was just a – you know, it's not like he was trying to fall down. It was a tough play. Um, you know, maybe just he, – he, he. I saw him live. You know, he tried to turn on the Jets after he looked back at the outfield and just kind of, I think, lost where he was and tripped over the bag. So that was just unfortunate. You know, you can't be mad at a kid for trying to hustle. It, it just really kind of killed the rally, though, for sure. Uh, and UCF holds on to win 6-1. to one. So, Jonathan – this is a two-game split. The Pirates actually fall to second place in the standings because Tulane has won 10 in a row after losing their conference opener. So the Green Wave is now 10-1 and in league play. Um, they've really dominated Memphis. I think they've won 7 of 8 against Memphis. So in, in some ways, you know, maybe that is that record legit. They did sweep Wichita State, but I think that they've taken advantage of a bad Memphis team, which is now 2-14. and 14. In conference, but uh, that sets up an interesting series in a couple of weeks. ECU will be at Wichita State uh, this coming weekend. But, you know, we've had a lot of questions on Hoist the Colors, Jonathan, about what to do with the rotation. We've talked about it a little bit. You know, highly unlikely that Wisenhunt will be available this coming weekend at Wichita. You know, the thing I noticed on Sunday was Carter Spivey was throwing a, a bullpen next to Tyler Smith uh, ahead of Sunday's game, which to me signals they're still trying to keep him in that starters mentality starters routine so I think there's a good chance we could see Carter Spivey get a shot in the rotation next week there's also the CJ Mayhew discussion do you move Mayhew to the rotation I have mixed feelings on that because I do think you would make a good starter but it takes away your most valuable bullpen weapon 
Uh, where do you fall? You mentioned you like Spivey earlier. Would you make any other changes to the rotation at this time? Yeah, like I said, I, I, want, I want to see Carter Spivey get another look in the rotation. I think he can become a solid Sunday guy or wherever you want to start him. I think he could be solid. But I'm glad you brought up the C.J. Mayhew. You know, I think that's an interesting situation. I, I'm also – I'm split. I have mixed feelings. On one hand, like you said, you know, you lose one of your most valuable bullpen, bullpen guys. You still have Cam Colmore. You still have Matt Bridges. Guys like Garrett Saylor could slide back there. And maybe someone like Josh Gross can start getting more high-leverage situations if you opt to do that. But on the other hand, does it really matter who's in the back end of your bullpen if you can't get there? So that's I've had that discussion with people this week, and – you know, maybe maybe they do put C.J. Mayhew in the rotation. And, you know, like I said, you, you can't worry about who's in the back in your bullpen if you can't get there to begin with. If your starters are going two or three innings per start, you know, your top guys are going to have to come in earlier in the game. You're not going to have them for the later innings in the game anyways. But I also think it's, it's really tough to make that switch mid-year to go from, you know, high leverage, top bullpen arm closer, if you will, to – weekend starter i think that's a tough switch to do midweek and i don't know i think other than that i think those are your two probably most realistic options i don't really see anybody else getting a look as a permanent weekend guy but i don't know it's tough but like i said they need to figure it out because they can't keep going and having two guys on a weekend starting less than three innings and then with the wisdom hunt wrinkle too somebody needs to step up yeah, I think Spivey makes a lot of sense. You know, he started a couple games. His peripheral numbers are pretty good. 13 Ks in 11 innings, five walks, and opponents are only hitting 217 against him. I mean, Sailor, he's been so up and down, but, I mean, opponents are only hitting 191 against him. He struck out 26 to nine walks in 19 innings. So, I mean, both those guys clearly have the stuff if they're in the zone. So, I don't know. I think if you go to Mayhew, you have to – you have to assume that Josh Groves or Saylor is going to be kind of a kind of take Mayhew's role, and that's a question mark at this point. So uh, I don't know; it's something they're going to have to work through. I mean, the the other thing with Mayhew is you'd have to work him up as a starter. He's only thrown twenty three, thirty five, twenty five, twelve, thirty, ten in his last six outings in terms of pitch count. So he can't just go out there this weekend and throw eighty pitches, you know, or else his arm would fall off. Not that it's not already about to. Uh, based on his workload. But the guy's a workhorse. Uh, he did throw 50 pitches against North Carolina earlier this year, which was his uh, high of the season. Actually, he threw 52 at Duke. So he's hit that 50 mark, but that's about it. So we'll see. You know, I still think maybe they're a few weeks away from having to go there. I think they'll stick with Cooch Maynard and probably Smith and see if they can figure it out, maybe go to Carter Spivey for that four spot this weekend. But – um. Every season throws curveballs at you, and ECU is going to have to work through it in some way to get to where they want to go. All right, Jonathan, before we get out of here, we got to give away our, our pitcher and hitter of the week. And for our pitcher of the week, we are going with Gavin Williams, um, who was just phenomenal, the only starter that made it past the third inning. And in the opener, he goes six and a third, takes a no-hitter into the fifth, ten strikeouts, one walk, of course, he, you know, he did hit uh, two batters because, of course, you're going to do that when you're playing UCF. 
and uh, three hits, two runs allowed, but another stellar start from Gavin. Yeah, he looked dominant again. Like we said, carried a no-hitter into the fifth inning, I believe, and that's how you want to start your weekend off every time. Gavin Williams can keep going pitching how he has since the end of the rotation. ECU is going to be in a good shape when it comes to, say, a conference tournament. You know, you you want to start off on that right foot. Gavin Williams is finally showing that he can be that elite starter, that frontline ace that ECU has been looking for. And it's really encouraging to see. And, yeah, he looks dominant. He's developed a lot of pitches, fastball, slider, changeup, everything. Every pitch he's thrown is dominant. And this weekend was no different. Our hitter of the week, Thomas Francisco. I believe you said he was 9 of 16. Jonathan, take us through the, the full numbers. Yeah, he was 9 for 16, two home runs, six runs batted in. He had a big Friday, 3 for 4 with a homer and two RBI on Friday, game one, two for five with two runs batted in on game two, another homer and two RBIs on Saturday, and two for four on Sunday. So two hits in every game this weekend. And he was that guy that he got your he got your rally started. He had the solo home run in the six on Saturday that kind of got ECU's offense going again. And he was really consistent. Even when he wasn't driving the ball, he was poking it through. He got on base. So it was nice to see. Honorable mention to Zach Agnos, who I guess could be our rookie of the week. Oh, yeah, we didn't even talk about that. Zach Agnos, our rookie <laughs> of the week. 8 of 16, no doubt home run on Sunday, three hits in the opener. Really good week for Zach. Good to see him swinging the bat. By the way, I'm looking at Thomas Francisco. This man has a nine-game hitting streak. You know, he went one for four in the series finale against Cincinnati. But, Jonathan, he has multiple hits in his last eight games. That's incredible. Uh, His average – pretty impressive. His average has gone from 358 to 399 as a result in that span. (laughs) Pretty good. Yeah, I say that's pretty good for your two or three hole hitter. So yeah, that's exactly what you want. I mean, he, <laughs> we we talked about the year Connor Norby has had, but man, Francisco is clearly on his heels, and he has been red hot. Multiple hits in each of his past eight games. That's pretty amazing. Didn't realize that till now. All right, Jonathan. Well, uh, it was fun to recap and get back on the podcast. You know, of course, we wish ECU had won the series, but they're still twenty eight and seven. Still only drop to number 10 in the D1 baseball poll. Remain at number uh, 8 in the Baseball America poll. They're still 24-3 and three at home. I think this weekend will be a nice test at Wichita State to get on the road. And um, You're not going to play perfect every weekend, but I think ECU can learn a lot from this, this past weekend. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but the sky had not fallen by the time we woke up this morning. ECU may have gone 2-2. Two and two. A lot of people, I think, are overreacting did ECU look great no but it's baseball some weekends some games are going to come out you're just not going to have it and other teams are just going to beat you and be better we saw that this weekend and I don't think you ever want to not play great but we talked about it after the Friday the game two loss on Friday but you almost even needed a game or two like this you know show you maybe you're not as good as you think you are and It'll keep them working, I think. I think it will keep them hungry going into Wichita. Hopefully, we. I hope we can only hope we have a road road weekend series this weekend. So, I'm gonna cross my fingers and 
looking forward to recapping it next week. ECU at Wichita State scheduled for Friday at 2 p.m. to start that doubleheader for the four-game series. Well said, Jonathan, all the way around. That'll do it for our show. Uh, Again, we'll have a football spring recap up uh, later this week. Uh, Until then, for Jonathan, I'm Stephen Igo. Thanks for listening to the Hoist the Colors podcast. afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.